1: Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 89 being recorded on Friday, June 16th, 2017. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason.
0: Welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Tonight, we are disrupting our usual weekly schedule for a new off-schedule format that we call a hot take. This is going to be an episode where we really go deep on one big news item. Amazon News Your margin is their opportunity Unless you're sleeping under a rock That big news item today is Amazon's $13.7 billion acquisition of Whole Foods Jason, what do you think? Pretty crazy day in the world of uh, e-commerce and grocery, huh?
1: It, it was. It was totally inconsiderate. I woke up this morning with a full agenda of things I had to do, and uh, uh, this completely disrupted it.
0: Cool. Um, so let's kick it off. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts. You and I haven't had a chance to talk about it, so this is definitely a hot take. Um, let me kick it off with a little bit of data. So, uh, the deal was at $42 a share. It was announced this morning before the market opened. So that's a 27% premium to the the share price from yesterday. Uh, that, as I mentioned at the top of the show, that's $13.7 billion valuation. Uh so, Whole Foods has four hundred and sixty stores uh They are mostly in the u s They do have some stores in other countries they have eighty seven thousand team members. I think the last number I saw had Amazon at three forty uh three hundred and forty thousand so this puts Amazon well over four hundred thousand employees. Um, another little nuance is there's a four hundred million dollar breakup fee and what's interesting about that is the way these deals work is you know they you 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 go out there, you submit a bid, you work with the board. The board accepts it, but as a public company, they have to accept bids from other folks. And a deal of this size has to go through quite a bit of shareholder and regulatory governmental kind of approvals. So um, you know the breakup fee kind of indicates that Amazon felt like there was some risk that there could be a competitor uh, competitive bid, and then the market reacted uh, also. Closing at forty two eighty six today, so some hedge fund manager out there is willing to pay a little bit more than the forty two dollars a share as kind of a bit of a hedge to see if another bidder comes in. So, you know that that could this this could be the start of the drama. Um, So we'll have to kind of see. Usually things happen pretty quickly within the first fifteen to thirty days. So uh, I think we'll know relatively quickly if there's going to be another bid or not. So so that'll be interesting.
1: And so Jason, is that? Is that four hundred million breakup fee? Is that in some way sort of like a poison pill that makes it less appealing for someone else? Because they would lose the four hundred million value of what they just acquired?
0: Yeah, so so that just means the bid has to be you know thirteen point seven plus point four, so fourteen point one. Um so they would have to they would have to cover that and it it just means that you know it can't be 13.71 yeah um really so so amazon uh amazon's argument on that would be this is how much money we're investing in this and the damage that would cause if you chose another bid so um it's uh you know i don't think it's if it was five billion it would be insurmountable but i think it's small enough that uh it is not really a poison pill
1: okay
0: yeah. So, um yeah, I'm really curious what your your high-level thoughts are on this um since you're kind of real close to the grocery world.
1: Yeah, well, so I think thematically this makes a lot of sense. We've talked a lot on the show lately about the grocery business and in my opinion at least that that the the mass market for grocery is buy online pick up in store or order online pick up in store. Um and the that requires you to have stores. And so, you know, a lot of the traditional retailers would would say, hey, this is one area where we potentially have a competitive advantage over Amazon. Uh, You know, they've been in the space for 10 years. They haven't captured a lot of market share. They don't have a really strong brand for fresh, and they don't have any of these stores for pickup in-store. So then, you know, a couple months ago, we talked about Amazon opening the the Amazon Fresh pickup location, which was their first pilot of a buy online, line pickup in-store experience. And, you know, back then we said, and if this works, if this proves out to be the right model for grocery, pretty, pretty likely that Amazon will scale it and scale it will either mean buy someone that has a lot of stores or open a lot of stores. And so, you know, fast forward, not very long, I think less, less time than any of us suspected. And Amazon bought 460 stores that give them great buy online pickup in store locations that overlap their, their existing prime membership very well and um really bolster their their creds uh in the fresh space and it turns out in in grocery what really drives your selection of a vendor very often is the quality uh, or the perceived quality of the the fresh stuff and the produce and so so like on all those scores it this seems like a a, a very logical move for Amazon
0: cool so you think so the Prime pickup hasn't been open long enough to really have much data, I don't think. So So it's not entirely clear that that's a winner, and now they're putting their pedal to the metal. There, there may have been something more even opportunistic because uh, Whole Foods had an activist kind of uh, in there rattling some swords. Um, you know, their their valuation had been down. Um, a lot of folks, uh, shareholders, had wanted them to seek a strategic buyer, um, and they've been struggling because they they kind of invented the organic category, and now every other grocery store has organic. Uh, it may not be true organic. I, I don't know the whole nuance of that, but you know, the perception is out there that now whole foods is kind of out there alone with just organic and they're, they're super expensive, um, So, so do you think it was more opportunistic or do you think Amazon sees something with one of these tests they have going on that says scale now?
1: Yeah, well, no, I think you're certainly right that they haven't had time to collect enough data to have those tests like influence this, but like clearly they could have already made the decision that, that byline pickup in store is going to be a a mainstream uh, delivery model for, for grocery. Um, And then to your point, like there's a lot of opportunistic elements here and one Uh, We haven't discussed yet is, you know, Whole Whole Foods was a little distressed, which which presumably affects the price. Uh, But there's a lot of new headwinds coming into the grocery space that were not going to be favorable to Whole Foods. Um, So one of the most feared grocers on the planet is this German company called Lidl, Um, and they they literally just grand opened their first crop of stores on the East Coast this week. They plan to have 600 stores in the U.S. Um, What their model is, is super low prices, very no frills on the service, but very high quality organic produce. So it's give you that that great quality fresh, mostly through private label and and locally sourced stuff at an extremely low price. And in a lot of markets, they've been able to get way below the traditional price leader. Um, And so that's a scary entrant to the U.S. market. Internationally, the, those guys compete with another German company, Aldi, quite a bit. Aldi already has a footprint in the U.S., and they announced last month that they're going to invest another, I think, $4 billion in the U.S. to dramatically expand their footprint. So you had Whole Foods that was already in a rough spot. You've got all, uh, these two scary new entrants, Aldi and Lidl, um, coming in into the market. You have Amazon saying, shoot, we need a footprint of stores. We need more credibility and fresh to really scale grocery um and you know groceries the biggest consumer retail segment that that you know hasn't really been dramatically impacted by digital yet so i feel like it was just sort of a a perfect storm of there was a good acquisition target that had a lot of reasons to sell and amazon had some strategic reasons to buy
0: okay cool and then uh one of those guys owns trader joe's right so is it aldi don't they already own trader joe's uh i think that's a hold is who you're thinking of ah okay yeah, this whole grocery space, everyone owns every other one. I'm always like, well, what about Food Lion? And then it's part of a conglomerate that that kind of rolls up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there, there's a lot of like, there's these all were independent little regional grocers that, and and there have been already been a lot of consolidation. So the you know Kroger is the largest uh, standalone grocery retail in the U.S. That you know they're they're the result of a ton of of uh, consolidation. And then Albertson Safeway is the second biggest, and they they own a bunch of the regionals including some of the ones you just mentioned. Um, And, uh, uh, you know, it just goes down from there. Although there there still is a long tail. There still are a lot of small regional grocery stores that maybe own five or six stores in a market.
0: Kind of one of the things I always look to is, is some of the Wall Street reports that are out there. Um, you know, a lot of them have covered some of the the math we've walked through. One of the ones that was interesting was that you know it pointed out uh, it's the largest acquisition in Amazon's history. So that's kind of you know interesting. And the question was, does this does this mean we have a new You know, New World Order here. Are we going to see some more really big swings uh, kind of a thing? Uh, So that's interesting to think through. Um, Another one uh, so Cowan was pretty aggressive and. By their math, uh, this makes them the number five retailer uh, uh, for grocery. Um, and they did all the math of taking grocery out of Costco and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and then they project that Amazon could be in the top three by 2021. Uh, and I looked at that and that would have to be pretty crazy growth. Let me see if I have my little spreadsheet here. I think that got them up to like 80 billion to get to number three based on the kind of my back in the bloat math. Um does this jive with your your kind of understanding of the grocery market?
1: Yeah, although um I, I I do think that there's a there's like retail, there's a bunch of different definitions of grocery. And so like I you know, I think there's a couple different size of market figures out there. But yeah, but, but directionally I think that totally makes sense.
0: Cool. So what's um what do you think about uh, integration? So, so let's say you are, you know, you're Jeff Bezos. Congratulations, you're you're extremely rich, and you now own, you're going to own Whole Foods. What what's your integration plan? Like, how, where do you take this thing?
1: I think you're going to give away a Fire Phone with every purchase.
0: <laughs> I don't think they have any of those left. They're going to have to uh, spend them back
1: up. Got you, and maybe a Washington Post subscription. Oh yeah, you could definitely do that. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean like the, the real answer is who knows, like, the, you know, superficially um, you'd, you know, Whole Foods was not very digital. You, you couldn't order online, you know, that uh, in fact they outsourced most of their digitalness to uh, our friends at Instacart that I'm sure we'll talk about um, on, on this episode. Uh, and so suddenly, you know, if you're Jeff Bezos, the main thing you're going to do is uh, help, help Whole Foods catch up digitally um, you may integrate ordering into the, the Amazon fresh order portal, or you might create your own portal for, uh, Amazon, uh, for, for whole foods. You're going to, um, definitely, you know, figure out a way to market that ordering online to your 250 million, uh, Amazon members and your, your 60 or 70 million prime members and all those sorts of things. Maybe even try to offer some prime incentive for shopping in whole foods, um, and you know, just really use Amazon scale to for sort of fix some of Whole Foods ills, I feel like is step one. Um and then longer term, you know, that's four hundred and sixty distribution centers that like are in that last mile delivery zone to a lot of Amazon's most valuable customers. So do you you start figuring out how to how to turn Whole Foods into a mini Amazon Prime Now depot of some kind and and use it for distribution for more products. Do you, uh, you know, start except for the first time accepting returns from online purchases and a physical presence, and you know some of those things, right? Like so, there are lots of places it could play out. There's lots of potential synergies in the ecosystem that you could imagine um, that, that Amazon could leverage to make you know all these parts more sticky. Um, but like you know, I, I suspect like part of the value prop to, to Amazon has to be that that Whole Foods was sort of a flawed asset and that Amazon has the the unique skills to help resolve that flaw. And so they, they can buy it for the discounted price and then, you know, uh, turn it into a more valuable asset.
0: How about just kind of blocking and tackling in grocery? Um, do you think Amazon can go in there and, you know, it's certainly not their mindset to be the high price kind of differentiator for a certain category. So, you know, would they go in there and and lower prices? Um, So for like Zappos, I could argue, well, they didn't really do that with Zappos. Zappos still doesn't, isn't like the cheapest place to buy shoes. Um, So, you know, but at the same time, I think Amazon probably realizes you can't win grocery by, by being relatively expensive. So curious what you think about that.
1: Yeah, no, I I do think that uh, both from Amazon's value proposition and, and, you know, the, the typical flywheel that they usually like to to execute is going to require lower prices that pull more people into that store. And then the, the external pressure that we talked about earlier with, um, you know, Walmart significantly investing in price and grocery and uh, all the doubling down and, and Lidl entering the market. Like I don't think Amazon's strategy is going to be to sit tight as the premium offering. And, you know, frankly, we've all seen that sitting, sitting at the premium price point just, just hasn't worked for Whole Foods.
0: Yeah. What what do Lidl and Aldi do around buy online, pickup and delivery? Do they is that an area of innovation for them or it's more just like the the super low prices?
1: So we don't know about uh, Lidl in the U.S. yet. Like they they tend to offer that in markets where it's heavily adopted. So like we've talked a lot about the U.K. that being a much more common model. And just to remind listeners, uh, about one percent of grocery sales in the U.S. is online. About six percent in the U.K. is online and it's mostly click and collect. So they do offer click and collect in the UK, for example. Um, Aldi has not offered really any uh, digital experience in the US to date. Um, so you know, I, I, it will be interesting to see. Are, are they looking to be a fast second mover? And as the consumers adopt that model, they'll they'll jump on it like they did in some of the foreign markets. Um, will the threat of Amazon cause you know all of these retailers to kind of accelerate their digital plans? Like I, you know, I think that's going to be one of the fun things to watch and i should mention that while we've been talking uh our, the the jason and scott show interns have frantically been trying to get my attention and point out that as usual scott was right jason was wrong and uh uh trader joe's is owned by all these parent company Ah, yeah it's happened, happened again exactly <laughs>
0: um so one one thing that's interesting is and, and for listeners um that haven't listened to every episode, first of all, shame on you. And, but the second of all, so so Prime now is in 46 markets, I think last time I looked, maybe a couple more. They've opened up some international ones, so let, let's call it 46 to 48. And the way they do those deliveries is, is Amazon has their own Uber-like uh, driver system called Flex. Um, so, you know, one of the things that's interesting, I, I know you're a big fan of the click and collect model, but it seems to me they could scale that up pretty quickly. I, I've heard that there's um, a lot of the demand from drivers because it pays orders of magnitude more than an Uber kind of a thing um, because it's got better density and you're, you're bringing groceries around and not people. And, and evidently people tip better for whatever reason, I guess they appreciate groceries more than people. Um, so, you know, it seems to me one thing they could do pretty quickly is have Whole Foods have a better delivery kind of an experience where there's no upcharge or it's part of a prime offering. Um, but you don't, you, do, you, do you think that's likely or you just aren't convinced that's kind of the best way to solve the grocery problem?
1: No, I, I think it's very likely. Um, and there, there's a segment of shoppers that want that, right? Like both from a geographic standpoint and from an economic standpoint. Um, I just don't think that that segment of shoppers is the mass market. So for sure, Whole, Whole Foods you know, moves a, a reasonable amount of volume uh, in home delivery through their Instacart partnership, it's it just wouldn't be profitable if the VCs weren't paying Instacart to deliver those groceries, right? And so certainly Amazon will be in a much better position to take that over and scale it and uh, add some operational efficiencies there. Um, and so I, I suspect we will see both better click and collect experiences and better home delivery for, you know, the customers that want that and, and you know, can be home at the right times to accept the deliveries. Yep, cool.
0: What, one area I kind of read some things about was... Um, in an area that's near and dear to your heart is payments. And uh, you know, one of the wall street guys pointed out that one of the the areas that gets the highest complaints about the the whole foods experience is waiting in line at the checkout. Um, So you think Amazon could apply some of their payment kind of methodology and then, you know, the first thing I thought about was the Go store. I know that's not really ready for prime time, but, you know, there, there's got to be a lot of automation at the checkout there. Do you, you know if you were going to if you add Amazon's assets, uh, what would you do to speed up that checkout experience?
1: Yeah, well, one of the first things you could do is they could do a Starbucks style digital wallet. They've got, you know, payment uh, information stored for 240 million Americans. Um, and so they could make it super low friction to use that storage information, uh, that's that stored information. Uh, by you know, showing a barcode on the Amazon mobile app as you you uh, go through the, the cashier and that as they do in the Amazon bookstore, for example. So adding that digital wallet that that links to the payment uh, information you already have in file with Amazon would be a super easy step. Um, the the go stuff like obviously this is a place where they could ultimately leverage it or deploy it. Um, but to your point, you know, I think it's a ways away, and I think. The the traditional Whole Foods uh, layout is not going to lend It's is not going to be the easiest environment to deploy Amazon Go in. So I don't think that's something we'll see in the in the early days. But I could certainly imagine uh, that grocery shopping is a whole new reason to have the Amazon app on your your phone and to leverage uh, mobile payments, uh, maybe as part of getting a uh, you know some some Prime member uh, benefit for checking out. Right, like it, essentially. Amazon is the world's greatest customer affinity program, and they could bring that to Whole Foods now.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, we haven't had a chance to talk about it on the show, but they uh, released this new payment system called Prime Reload. Um, that that's pretty interesting. So the way that works, is my understanding, is they're they're trying to get people to use bank transfers instead of credit cards. Credit cards have a two percent fee. Bank transfers are are very, very inexpensive for merchants. Um, so the the way it would work is almost like a Starbucks card where you'd load X dollars onto it at a time, draw it down, uh, and then you get 2% cash back because Amazon's no longer, uh, you know, having to fund that credit card transaction. Uh, that seems pretty, you know, applying that to grocery is pretty exciting. I've, I've never seen a true percent back kind of program like that in grocery. Do you think that'd be a natural one to kind of play out here?
1: Uh, it absolutely could. It's interesting. Like, you, you know, we've all been surprised that it's taken Amazon that long in this particular case, cause that's a huge savings for them. Again, all these customers have that stuff stored. They have a high level of trust with the customer, like all the normal impediments that you would think would keep you from, from aggressively shifting customers to, to those electronic fund transfers instead of the credit card interchange transfers. Um, it's surprising it, uh, that it's taken Amazon that long. So so certainly now that they've done it, you could expect them to leverage it in these stores. One one nuance, uh, our friends at the credit card company are, are pretty clever, and they usually build into their terms of service that if you want to accept their cards, you have to promise to give their cards equal weight and equal billing with all other payment methods. And so like very often uh, it's against... It's, it's potentially against the terms of a service agreement you have with Visa or Amex to offer electronic funds transfers for 2% less. And that's why most retailers don't do that. Um, but you could imagine that Amazon at this point has enough volume that they have the leverage in their negotiation. And, you know, it may be that we had to wait this long for the feature at Amazon because it took this long for them to negotiate uh, new new uh, terms and conditions with the credit card companies that allow them to do this
0: i I always heard you couldn't explicitly charge more for credit cards and uh, but I thought maybe they were being sneaky by charging less, but it sounds like you you think that that's, so there
1: there's consumer also... protections about charging more right and so that can literally be a a criminal offense um but the the charging less is is certainly not illegal, um, but but again the you know Visa you know knows that you need to accept Visa, and so they can say, hey, as part of your agreement for accepting Visa, you have to promise not to make these other vehicles cheaper.
0: Hmm. Cool. Another area that kind of popped in my mind when this was announced, uh, and this is because I did that Amazon scape where I took all their brands and put them onto one. Uh, one chart, uh, and if folks are listening uh, and are, haven't seen that yet, it's at bitly b i t dot l y slash amazon scape all one word. And uh, it's funny, I sat down to do that, and I was like, oh, this will take two hours. And then I just like started working on. I, th- I thought, you know, okay, I'll have to have an area for all their retail offerings, so I'll put Prime now and all that on there, and then. Uh, you know this, that, and the other, and then I was like, I'll do the private label stuff now. And I thought, okay, obviously you have Amazon Basics. And then as I started to kind of go through all the times that that I've found and and you know saw other folks talking about different private labels, there's like 50 private labels at Amazon, and a lot of the newest ones are in this kind of grocery category. You have Wickedly Prime. Um, some of them are Prime exclusive, Some aren't. Um, I think we've talked about Mama Bear. Uh, and then um, another interesting thing I didn't know about Whole Foods. I'm not a huge Whole Foods shopper. Um, they have a very large private label called Everyday 365. So, so uh, another really interesting thing here is Amazon um, has two paths here. They could put their private label stuff into Whole Foods, uh, and then they could also – uh, put the Everyday 365 for sale on Amazon and Prime Now and Fresh and you know, wherever
1: all these different mechanisms. Uh, do you think private label factored into this at all? I do. I I think you you nailed it. Like there's a bunch of synergies. What will be interesting there is will the brands get equal weight? Like like so the the Whole Food brands have probably better consumer recognition today. And you you mentioned Big One 365 Everyday, but there's also this like Whole Trade and Engine Two and uh, a, a number of these brands that whole food shoppers are familiar with um it would be super easy to imagine seeing those on amazon uh the bigger question is brands that are brand new to amazon that amazon's just investing in like happy belly right for nuts and almonds do they keep investing in that or do they you know or is there an overlapping 365 degree uh, 365 everyday nut pack and they they just adopt the the whole food one? Or, you know, do they take the 365 brand and use it for all the Amazon food? Like there, there are lots of permeations that could play out. It's going to be interesting to watch, but I would definitely imagine that, that private label was another valued aspect of this deal.
0: Yeah. And then kind of expanding from private label out of ring, um, you know, Amazon has had a lot of, um, a lot of brands just in general, but I, I, I'm sure in the CPG category that don't want to sell there, one of the most popular or one of the most Popular ones we've heard about is Honest Company, uh, which is Jessica Alba's company, um, wouldn't sell on Amazon, so then Amazon created their own diaper line and some of these other things. Some of that worked Amazon Elements and some of it didn't, but Amazon seems to really want that kind of product. Um, Imagine that this gives uh, Amazon just another kind of hammer to say to brands, well, you know – uh, we're gonna kick you out of Whole Foods unless you sell your whole assortment at all of the Amazon offerings. So, so there's also kind of an interesting selection angle there. Do you, do you think that's gonna happen?
1: Uh, it very well could. And don't forget, uh, Whole Foods is an incubator for a lot of those um, socially conscious products. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, they they have a model where like individual entrepreneurs can pitch Whole Foods, and Whole Foods might put you in one store or one market. Um, and uh, you know if it does well there you could eventually expand to to their national footprint um and so they they have this great system for onboarding those brands like really early in their life um and now you know it's just the the final win isn't getting in the four hundred and sixty whole food stores it potentially is you know getting on the amazon platform and and uh, reaching two hundred and forty million customers so so uh I, I absolutely think that that uh that Amazon will use the Whole Foods leverage with some of these brands, um, you know, to get more of the more of the brands they want in for in front of more of the customers they want. There there's also an interesting one. Uh one of the most successful private labels out there is the Costco brand, Kirkland. And uh, a fun fact, uh Amazon sells more Kirkland online than Costco does. <laughs> um so they're they're the biggest distributor the third largest retailer was jet and after the walmart jet acquisition jet is actually phasing out kirkland off the site and so you now a really interesting thing and you know um this this is highly speculative but could amazon double down on the kirkland relationship like could they ever have smaller packs of the kirkland products that aren't appropriate for club and start selling them through uh, uh whole foods hmm. who uh who initiated
0: that stoppage at walmart was it costco or uh, walmart or like who who said no moss uh
1: my understanding is that it was a that it's a walmart decision to uh, and by walmart i assume that's mark Laurie, but but yep. uh to phase out because obviously sam's hmm. club and and costco yeah. are direct competitors yeah uh now of course as you know jet's also a marketplace so i'm sure there's still going to be uh, three piece sellers of that stuff. Yeah. Two, two kind of speculative things about the acquisition
0: I wanted that seemed kind of silly to me, but I just want to bounce them off you. One was, uh, well, surely they'll close the stores and just convert them into fulfillment centers. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me because, you know, these stores are chosen to be in high traffic retail areas. That's not where you would put a fulfillment center. The economics don't work. Um, so, uh, you know, and this was like, some of the folks saying this were like, clearly, you know, it, it, it wouldn't even have like pickup there. It would just be a fulfillment center. That, that seemed kind of silly to me. And the, the second one was some way to leverage the third party system at Amazon. And what, what doesn't make sense in that world is, you know, the pricing, this, the fulfillment is really, really hard with a physical footprint The the 3P model doesn't really work, work in physical, um, so that that one didn't really resonate with me either. Maybe there's some things like with some certain, you know, maybe like some farm kind of stuff could be almost like three P sold on more of a commission uh, kind of a thing to help with margins or something. But I don't know. That that one didn't make a ton of sense for me either. How, how do you feel, feel yeah. about those two?
1: So there, and I don't know if Whole Foods does much of this, but there is sort of the analogous thing in Mar- in to three P would be sort of consignment sales and in yeah. in uh, brick and mortar. And so there, you know, there are some grocery that would. Try a product on consignment, um, but I I don't see that as a big play. If there were going to be a big three p- three P play, it would be some kind of endless aisle experience in Whole Foods, right? Like, so if you're shopping the vitamin assortment at at Whole Foods and they don't have what you want, like that, you know, there's a a, a kiosk in there, and you know, could that now have the entire uh, assortment of Amazon and including all the three P sellers? And you know, could be there be some incentive to ship that that product to the store that's better than shipping it to home? Who knows, right? Um, Yeah. But you could see it. You could imagine a play like that uh, potentially coming in. I I for sure agree with you. There's no way they just bought these to for the real estate to convert to fulfillment centers. I think the smarter people are talking about could it be a store and an FC? Not could it be exclusively an FC?
0: Yeah. Even then, I mean, uh, the Whole Foods I've been in are. They're pretty jam packed of people and product. It, it's hard to kind of see them cutting off, cutting out much of that for, for a fulfillment center, but we'll, we'll have to
1: kind of see. No, the only way that that works is if there are categories in Whole Foods that are losers and the Amazon decides to get out of.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Cool. Well, let's. Um,
0: so, so. If you project this forward, do you think that Cowan is right, and we're going to see Amazon kind of as a top three grocery player? Like, and and uh, let's start to kind of move the chessboard around. What what happens? Does this mean does Walmart take a run at this? Does Walmart do anything differently? It seems like they've kind of placed their bets with the Jet acquisition and and Lori and and some of the things they're doing there. Um, can, can some of these traditional grocers react? Uh, you know, I know you've talked on the show about Kroger is actually pretty innovative and in thinking about some different formats and things. What, tell us kind of what you think the three-year chessboard looks like on this.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I, I think this is a, a giant, um, new piece of pressure on that market. That's going to fragment, um, the traditional grocery market. Right. And there'll, there'll be a few survivors like, uh, hard to imagine grocery is a, a winner take all thing where there's one, one national provider. Um, but you know, they're, they're going to be a few survivors and it's, uh, again, that long tail of grocery rate, right, uh, that we have right now is likely to go away as all those small players aren't able to compete. And so the, you know, uh, we do, pr- uh, projections on the show all the time. So I'll throw out some silly ones. Uh, I, I, I think Walmart is, uh, making big bets in this space and is likely to be one of the winners. um, uh I certainly think Amazon is one of the big 3 and then you know uh, the the big question about who the third one is is if it's the big incumbent that's able to survive and hang on and that would be Kroger or if it's one of these new um market entrants that's like all the Lidl that 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 you know takes that third spot um but I I would definitely say net net this is uh, this was a really bad day at Kroger this was a really bad day at Target um You know those guys were already buckling down the hatches because they, you know, they had all this grocery competition coming into the market, and uh, you know the last thing you needed is the world's most disruptive retailer, you know, dropping dropping thirteen billion dollars in your category.
0: Yeah, that's a good segue into kind of the next segment that I call "Who
1: Wins and Who Loses."
0: So if we think about the winners. I think uh kind of the obvious ones are Amazon won today. I think their market cap went up much more than what they're paying here. So it was effectively uh market cap accretive. <laughs> um Whole Foods, obviously, this is a, a great win for them. They get to keep the brand, they get to keep the CEO, they're in this like this is probably the best outcome for them, I think. Um and then another one and, and I'll I'll kind of say this now and we'll talk about it a little bit later. I, I think consumers win. I think, you know, there there hasn't been innovation in grocery. For forever, you know, we you know we go to this beach place and there's a an IGA there which used to be you probably know more than I do uh, like a uh, what's it starts with an A you know this old timey grocery store you go in there and it's no different than a Kroger or a Food Lion or a Harris Teeter or a or anything like that so there really hasn't been tremendous innovation in this category and I think consumers are going to win because you're going to have more choice and Amazon's going to come in and really create amazing customer experiences, which is what they're really known for. And they're going to lower prices. So, so I think, you know, and as a prime user, I'm excited. You know, I'm, i may actually start going to Whole Foods more if I can check out faster or there's some really compelling reason to get me in there to do more stuff. Um, any winners that, that I didn't say in there that you think about?
1: Yeah, no, I, I do think those are the big winners. Like I, you know, I think there's potentially some secondary winners, um, are some you know some of those brands that suddenly get uh, exposure to a lot more more um, potential consumers so some of those those like whole food suppliers that could suddenly now you know uh, have, uh, have a much more prominent prever- uh, positioning on on the amazon um, the You know, again, it'll be uh, interesting to see what they do for delivery. Uh, There, you know, could be some some winners there in terms of better delivery options. And, you know, I think that's going to be a pretty easy segue to who the losers are. Right. Yeah, and I almost said suppliers, but then kind of,
0: um, you know, some of the things I've read kind of say that those suppliers have had a real easy time with Whole Foods, that they don't really put pressure on them at all, and I think those days are over. So so they, you know, it may be, let's put them on the fence. So I think they win with more distribution, but I think they're going to lose with getting kind of the the cram down here that they've avoided for probably 10 years.
1: Yeah, although I would argue sometimes those forced austerity measures – Aren't fun and don't feel good, but they're not necessarily bad for you.
0: I'm sure if we ask the brand they would disagree with you. Probably so. All right, so we'll, we'll create a third category: winners, losers, and uh, kind of on the fence, uh, and put the suppliers in there. Uh, let's go through the losers. So, um, you know, you hinted about it earlier. Whole Foods had a relationship with Instacart, and uh, I know that they were an investor in Instacart, and I don't know if this was rolled out at every store, but I think it was. It was pretty close. And, uh, you, you, know, I don't think there's been any, uh, data out there about the scale of this, but Instacart was the delivery partner. I, I can't really see Amazon keeping that at all because they already have this flex thing. Amazon likes to vertically integrate whenever they can. So it feels like Instacart is, you know, on the, on the short block for getting kicked out of that. Is that, do you agree? And, and do you have any more information on that program?
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't have any more information. Instacart wasn't in every Whole Foods, and and their relationship was slightly different in different markets. The level of integration that they had um, with Whole Foods, for example, I think there's some pilot markets where the where the integration was very deep. Um, the and I, I think they are certainly a loser. Uh, I I would almost say that their the amount they lost today is slightly overblown because everyone talks about oh man. They're this $3 billion uh, valuation company that, you know, suddenly uh, is going to go away. And I guess I would argue that I don't think they had a sustainable business model yesterday, right? Like, and uh, not clear that they had a path to profitability. You know, they, they mainly exist, uh, existed to augment capabilities that retailers should have had natively and, and, you know, were probably going to have natively at some point. Um, and so I'm not sure they had a super viable business model other than to keep taking more VC money to subsidize the cost of, of delivery. And so I think, you know, their problem was true yesterday. Uh, they just probably have a lot less runway to discover that that's their problem today. So they're winners in the Jason world. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> where austerity is good. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Can tell you haven't been an entrepreneur, Jason. Uh, I resemble that <laughs> remark, but um, <laughs> you haven't been on the short end of one of those news cycles. It's oh, a, it's I've a been a on the hard.
1: the business end of uh, Walmart vendor negotiations many times. Um, but uh, yeah, I I so I I think it's, it, this is definitely going to affect Instacart. But I you know again, I I don't think Instacart was on some path to uh to a rosy future before this.
0: Cool. I, I noticed you and I were uh, both mentioned, talked, to, uh, gave a quote to a an, uh, reporter, and were in that. And you mentioned Target, what uh, as being pretty heavily impacted. Talk us through your logic there.
1: Yeah. Well, so they're not a traditional grocery store, but that was one of their growth um, strategies, right? And so uh, the, a big part of their growth strategy is these five signature categories, and one of those signature categories is called wellness. Um, and a big part of wellness was organic organic food and uh, health food. And so while uh, Target had made a major investment in upping their presence in that, that market, like they do have grocery and they, they've tried to use grocery to drive incremental trips and they haven't been super successful. And so again, they were one of these guys that were like, shoot, uh, we're trying to win on organic fresh when Lidl's coming into the market. That doesn't feel very good. Um and then, you know, to have Amazon partner up with with Whole Foods, you know, really makes it less likely that 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 Target is gonna win by by having these these uh wellness food products in their stores. Um and then you know, we're not talking about it a lot on this show, but uh Walmart also had an acquisition today of bonobos, and that, you know, that is probably not not favorable to to Target either. And so Target just looks like they're they're standing still in a world where their their traditional competitors are all making you know pretty seismic leaps forward, and so that that just can't feel very good at Target today.
0: Yeah, I didn't know it, but uh, one of the Wall Street Notes I, I saw today said Target outsourced some of the pharma stuff to CVS, and um, their idea was Target should just outsource this whole grocery kind of uh, experiment to a Kroger or or someone uh, just so they can like effectively get out of it asap. Uh, you think that's a viable strategy for Target?
1: It's possible. Like, so again, if, if you know, grocery is super thin margins anyway, um, and so if you're not built for those margins, like you're using it for traffic and you're losing money. So if there's someone else that's willing to take that over for you, and you still get the benefit of that traffic, and you don't have any of the risk of of the losses, uh, you could imagine that that being the case. Um, in in the health case, you know, Target tried to run their own pharmacies. Um, and, and weren't super successful. So outsourcing them, you know, w- was probably not on the world's most favorable terms to target. And, you know, I suspect that would also be the case if they had to outsource grocery at this point.
0: How many target stores have grocery? Do you, do you have a kind of, I do not know. Hmm. And then, uh, do you know how big
1: it is for them? Is it like 5%, 10%, 20%? Uh, I also don't know that. So I will refrain from taking a guess.
0: Okay. How about Kroger? Are they? Uh, um, they definitely were a market cap loser today. I think you know. Uh, one interesting thing is if you add up the market cap from the grocery um, kind of category, forty billion dollars was lost today. So, so, so not only did Amazon add, uh, you know, plus. Um, you know, about twenty billion to their market cap, but the, they they took away forty out of the market, so kind of a positive swing for Amazon of sixty billion there. And Kroger was one of the the quote unquote biggest losers, and this is just from a one day Wall Street thing. So, um, but but kind of more strategically, do you think Kroger is and this puts them in a tough spot with the same kind of logic of Aldi, Lidl coming in, and now you have this other kind of unknown player?
1: Yeah, because again, the, you know, they're we're one of the the largest traditional players in the space um and that you know they're they were under siege from Walmart and Aldi and Lidl and you know you could really look at what Aldi and Lidl do and say man they're they're um incrementally better than how we've traditionally done it in the US and so they're going to be a formidable competitor um but Amazon is likely uh going to be an exponential uh <laughs> disruptor not an incremental one um and so that's that's a lot more pressure on Kroger like Kroger certainly has Made some strides in the last year or two in digital, and they they've rolled out uh, a quick list, which is their version of click and collect in like three or four hundred stores, and you know by all accounts it's been wildly successful. Um, but those initiatives looked really good in a space when no one was making any digital progress, and so you 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 kind of got to look like the most progressive of the the traditional players, and now suddenly you know. Uh, you you don't look that progressive. And so that, that, you know, that's going to be tough at Kroger. That's a formidable new competitor in, in the space. And they're the incumbent. One I was surprised at from a Wall Street
0: perspective was Costco. I think um, last I looked, they were down about 10% or so. Yeah. Um, the, I just don't think of them as grocery because, you know, you, if you think about the layout of that store, maybe a quarter of it is grocery, but, but, clearly i i must be missing something what what does this cause for them
1: yeah so you know that this gets into the definition of grocery right like so what what uh percentage of their products are at risk they're the least digital uh, company on the planet right like their their executives are still talking about how we don't really want to encourage people to go online because we'd way rather them come to the store um (laughs) and you know they're they're uh it, you know, it would be easy to make fun of them were it not for the, the fact that they're wildly successful. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, to put things in perspective, Walmart's the largest retailer in the U S largest retailer in the world. Walmart has 4,000 stores. Costco's the second largest retailer in the U S they have 727 stores. Um, so <laughs> they're, they're, uh, they, you know, they're, they're doing well and they have a formula that works well for their, their customers. Um, you know, they, they sell products that are now going to be, uh, com- uh, in competition with Whole Foods, Amazon, Amazon's going to make Whole Foods better. And that, you know, that like just has to have some effect on Costco. What is interesting, you know, Costco probably does not look at Whole Foods as a direct competitor, right? Like both from, from the, the products that, that are high velocity in both, both stores are very different and the size of the packs are dramatically different as well. And so, the the Costco assortment looks a lot closer. Like Costco grocery products look a lot more like uh Amazon grocery products in terms of being cost efficient to ship, right? Like you want to ship the 36 pack of toilet paper, not the four-pack of toilet paper. Um so you know, it'll be a little interesting if the combination of Amazon and Whole Foods means that more of those packs are available to more more uh Whole Foods customers. But but uh I think at this point, like, I, I, I don't think this is a game changer for Costco. It's just, you know, another aggressive competitor trying to seek wallet share.
0: Yeah, and then uh, the big one's Walmart. So in the Amazon deep dive we did uh, pretty early on. Uh, do you remember the episode on that one? I don't. You should have
1: uh, prepped me for the show. We should have, like, <laughs> rehearsal or something.
0: <laughs> this is what happens when we do a hot take. Um So anyway, we did this episode called Amazon Deep Dive. We'll help put it in the show notes so you can find it a little bit easier. It was one of our first 10 episodes or so. Uh, And in there, we talked about – Episode 24, Amazon Deep Dive. Ah, yes. I remember it so well. Uh, (laughs) And uh, one of the things you and I talk a lot about is the fact that when you just look at Amazon's – You know revenue numbers. uh, It's like 160 billion uh, uh, for this year, is what's projected. But inside of there is that third-party GMV, which I think you have to kind of unpack. So one of the things I like to do is say, uh, if you take Amazon, 1P and 3P uh, for this year, you'll actually get up to 300 billion dollars. And then now we're going to layer in 16 from Whole Foods. So you really have a 2017 Amazon that could, you know if this deal goes through uh, and again this kind of you know they won't get the benefit of a whole year but think of run rates uh, that'll be a 316 billion dollar kind of revenue run rate company walmart's estimated revenue for this year is 485 so walmart is still considerably bigger than the combined entity of amazon and whole foods but uh number one if you take grocery out uh Amazon's already bigger than Walmart. Uh, and then, number two, the disparity of the growth rates is about uh, 20%. And if you kind of project that out uh, uh, not too far, I think it's like two and a half years, uh, then with this acquisition, Amazon could be bigger than Walmart, all in, including grocery, uh, by, you know, call it uh, 2020. Um, so that that's pretty amazing. And that, that assumes there's no other big acquisition. You know, what if, what if, yeah, I don't know what else is buyable out there from from that standpoint, because it seems like some of these things are almost unbuyable, like a Kroger. I don't think either Walmart or Amazon could buy that. or, um, And it sounds like Trader Joe's and some of these other international ones are so big internationally that they can't be acquired. So, But even without an acquisition, I think that that, you know, we're going to see Amazon has a shot at being bigger than Walmart by 2020, if, if my math holds up. Um, so is Walmart uh, a loser on this or, you know, I think it's kind of overblown. What, what's your take on this?
1: Yeah, no, I think in the short term, like, again, nobody likes seeing their competitors get better. I'm sure, uh, Walmart looked at Amazon as, as like their most significant competitor. And so then, um, to see them enter a space that Walmart's enjoyed a lot of success and that Amazon hasn't had a lot of success in like that, you know, that I'm sure nobody's thrilled that that's happening at Walmart. Um, I do think they're well positioned to be one of the survivors. So if you, if you look at this move in the long run and say, Oh, this is going to force a lot more, industry consolidation, and only the people that are able to adapt and offer good digital experiences to their customers are going to survive, and, you know, only people that are able to offer, like, really good products at really good prices, and with all these good digital touch points are going to survive. You know, Walmart has the resources to do all those things. Uh, remains to be seen whether they will or not. Uh, a lot of these other retailers don't, and so, like, while I'm sure in the short run uh, this isn't favorable, and, I, you know, I think they made an acquisition today and they probably would have liked a happy news cycle about how progressive they're being in digital and making great progress and buying, you know, increasingly bigger, bigger, more profitable digital companies. And I, you know, I think that that news cycle got totally obliterated by, by this much bigger acquisition that, that Amazon did. So, you know, I'm sure in the short run that that didn't feel good. Um, But yeah, I, I think what we are setting up is going to be the epic retail battle of our careers, which is you know, going going to be this this uh, Amazon versus Walmart. Hmm.
0: Anyone else we've left off the loser list? So, uh, just a couple to throw out there. I saw um, in the stock recaps SVU gets mentioned a lot. and I guess that's super value, but they seem to be um, kind of a micro cap almost. I'm not sure what's going on with those guys, or or but they they were down like 16 percent. It almost felt like something else caused it. Uh, and then a couple I thought about are. Some of these pure digital folks that are kind of tangential to this space, blue apron, boxed, um, any any thoughts around those guys or any other folks you think are potential losers from this deal?
1: Yeah, I don't know that those are. Like, I, I think if anything, their acquisition prospects may have just gotten a little kiss, right? Like, because, again— Amazon's going to do uh, more progressive things more quickly than the grocery retailers are used to doing. And so even if Amazon doesn't do any acquisitions and they build all these features out organically, um, the the other significant retailers are going to need to make acquisitions to keep pace with Amazon, right? And so you could imagine Amazon launching, you know, their own meal service um, and that making uh, Blue Apron look like more of an acquisition target now. You know, they're, they're going through uh, IPO right now, so... So, you know, I I don't know how that complicates all that, but you could certainly imagine, you know, uh being a a box acquisition being a defensive play to, you know, stay in the digital realm in competition with with Amazon um with the, you know, Prime Pantry type type experience. Very cool.
0: Um one area uh, that I saw that was interesting, and I, I kind of talked about it at the top of the show, is there's a couple articles out there saying that this is going to trigger this huge antitrust kind of thing. And um, you know, it was weird. The angle they all took was they were worried about jobs being cut at Whole Foods, and that's not what really antitrust is about. Antitrust is more about will consumers be harmed. And uh, and I just don't think. Yeah, sure, Amazon's really big, but Amazon is like not even a player in grocery or physical retail if if all of e commerce is ten percent and Amazon is a third of that ten percent um, and that's being generous if you unpack the GMV. Most people don't know to do that. So maybe they would say twenty five percent of that ten billion. Um, you know, so that's a you know microscopic thing and it doesn't feel like there's some monopoly being built here. And even even then they'll be like number five in groceries. So um do you think there's antitrust risk here to 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 look yeah. at?
1: Well, so I should caveat this by saying that every single lawsuit I've been in for antitrust with the DOJ I've lost. Okay. So 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 take my opinion with a grain of salt. Um but uh that that being said, I don't think this is an antitrust issue. I don't even think they're going to look at it that hard because it it uh, the space is just too wildly fragmented um you know like from a you know most of the the buzz and the, the disruption and the fear about this is not like by looking at the numbers and adding them up. Um, it's by, you know, speculating about the, the strength and skill sets of, of Amazon being applied to this new category in a more serious way. And, you know, the DOJ is not going to have an um, opinion on that. They're just going to look at it and say that this doesn't fundamentally, uh, you know, erode choice for consumers and, and, you know, therefore be bad for consumers.
0: Awesome. Those were the the big kind of points I wanted to hit on this hot take. Anything else you wanted to add?
1: Um, well, so you talked about some of the market cap losers. I, was, I, I took a quick look at, at Walmart's market cap, and it seems like they're down exactly $13 billion, which would have been enough for this acquisition. So, like, here's a crazy question. Like, since people could still bid on this, like, could could Walmart uh, uh step into this the the bidding? Like I I don't feel Whole Foods would be near as valuable to Walmart as it as it is to to Amazon. But could they do it as a defensive market cap play, or is that all likely to to settle out and not be?
0: Yeah, market cap it doesn't actually give you dollars to spend yep. on something, so it's a little apples and oranges. So you know, um, their challenge probably would be. I think they probably have enough cash. I, I think their challenge would be the accretiveness of it. You know, Walmart is held to a very pristine EPS number, and if that changes or goes down, uh, that has a much more dramatic impact on their stock than anything. So, so I almost think that uh, that would be a problem. And, uh, you know, so so I don't know. don't think that would drive it if they want to do it it's going to be a a, oh crap we got to kind of get in here and keep this asset from amazon kind of thing and um you know i think the i think they i think if they actually won it would actually hurt their stock worse than what you've seen because my guess would be they would have to lower their numbers pretty effectively Uh, and uh, you know another thing is i don't think walmart knows how to go Fix Whole Foods, Uh, you know, their playbook doesn't really work, and it's a whole different customer. But, but you know, so I think they're going to have to, you know, let's let's pretend they won it. They ended up spending, you know, seventeen billion dollars. I think that's going to be dilutive and in the way Walmart gets valued by wall street that gets amplified almost by like a thousand. So, you know, I I think they would actually lose like 60 billion in market cap or something, something pretty substantial if they had to come out with a pretty dilutive acquisition. So, so in a weird way, um, you ever played those board games where you can kind of like get in a three way trap. I, I feel like Walmart may be in a little bit of a three way trap here. If they really think through the implications of, of, of this, like, If you're Amazon, you may actually be okay for them to go buy this and spend more. It's kind of like a win-win for Amazon.
1: Very interesting. Okay. Um, Well, Scott, I have enjoyed riffing with you on uh, the exciting news for today.
0: Yeah, yeah, we appreciate you guys, uh, you know, coming in for the hot take, and hope you don't mind a little bit of extra Jason and Scott show this week. So we will be keeping track of this as it develops. Uh, you know, we're your go-to source for e-commerce news, and this is something we'll be watching very closely.
1: Yep, and if you have any thoughts about the news or feedback about the show, we'd we'd uh, love to hear from you on Facebook. And if you enjoyed the episode, uh, feel free to write us a review on iTunes. Thanks, everyone.